All right, everybody, welcome back to another episode of Kente Corner, your favorite casual Hoya basketball podcast. I'm your host, Bobby Bancroft, and we are coming to you. This is a rare, this season at least, post-game edition. Uh, Georgetown just fell to Butler 56-53. The Hoyas are now 6-12 and on the season, 0-7 in the Big East. There's a lot more we could say about that. But before we get to everything that happened on the court today from Hinkle, I've got from the athletic longtime friend of the pod at Ben standing from the athletic, which I just said. Okay. So Ben, what a great time to have you back. Uh, not great for the Hoyas, but you actually got a chance to watch the game. I know that's so much going on with what the uh, Washington football team is going to be called. So thank you for gracing us with your presence in what is becoming one of the worst seasons of Georgetown basketball. Any of us can remember. But, but wait, can I? This is completely off topic, but some humongous sports news literally just happened. You want to hear it? Am I gonna, do I'm, I need to I'm be sitting kidding. down? Because I am. Tom Brady is retiring. Wow. Well, it's great to have you on as uh, one of the charter members of the area, I think, Tom Brady fan club. Um, I'm a little surprised, and I'm sure you're so happy that you came out with the podcast now. And I'm sure I'll have your full attention. But let's just try and talk and get through this for 15, 20 minutes. All good. I just, you know, just wanted want to mention, I'm sure there's a tie in there somewhere. <laughs> you know, Patrick Ewing is the goat of Georgetown basketball. Tom Brady is the goat of football, you know. Yeah, for sure. So, Ben, you got to watch. Um, real quick, obviously, the Hoyas were trailing 56-53. That's how it ended. But with about 14.2 seconds left, they called a timeout. They came out and they ran something. We, I got to talk to you in real quick. I asked them about it. They apparently did not run what they wanted to run, but they did get off. A decent look by Don Carey. It did not go in. Um, Hoyas avoid overtime. What do you think? Yeah, I, I mean, you know, ignore everything else that's happened this season. Just in terms of the game itself, you know, the I thought their defense, you know, was was better today. Uh, certainly in the second half. I mean, in the first half, it felt like Butler was maybe getting two easy shots, but uh, you know, I thought their defense definitely tightened up down the stretch. And obviously, they you know they came back. They took a one point lead. But, um, and, and, you know, there were some individual moments here and there, Muhammad in particular, I thought, you know, had some plays where, you know, can get really impressed. But, you know, offensively, it just feels like any set play, they really struggle to, you know, find a good shot. I mean, like you said, the carry shot was okay, but, like, you know, the play itself was kind of a little messy and was, you know, wasn't completely clean. So, um, you know, it, it just feels like, that's where they're they're at, and you know, obviously, when you then expand it out, that the it's not just a loss. Zero and seven, eight in a row. I mean, it is a uh, it, it is a tough spot to be in. So you know, if you want to be the optimist and uh, you know, point to some progress, again, there's some you can point to, but you know, yikes. Yeah. So you mentioned it. So zero and seven keeps extending Georgetown's worst ever start to a Big East campaign. Um, the seven Big East regular season losses in a row matches what Eshrick did at the end of his tenure. He actually lost his last eight regular season games, but one of them was an L to Temple. Um, Georgetown's longest ever Big East regular season losing streak is actually something JT3 has, but it's at the end of 2016 and then the beginning of the 2017 season. They lost 10 straight regular season Big East games. So I guess there is still... You know, um, it's not really a record you want to break, but there, there there are still markers out there that they could surpass in what is 
you know, not been a good season for, you know, I like to find the records and finding, you know, all these little, these little things that happen. Um, you know, I know that you haven't been able to watch a lot, but I know that we talk uh, about Georgetown here and there. And I know one of the things we both have kind of been wondering about is what's the deal with Ryan Matumbo. Matumbo did probably play more and he had a little bit of an impact on the game in the first half, but Patrick, and I think you would agree. I think we're on the same wavelength here. Basically the whole second half was small ball. He didn't play any of his centers and that's probably the good decision. Did you get a chance to see any of Ryan in the first half? Um, a, a little bit. I, I was noticing him a bit. I'm, I, you know, we've talked about this a little bit offline. I'm always happy to see him be in, be in the game, not because he's, you know, you know, ready to become, um, you know, w- w- one of the great legendary centers. But when you sign a recruit of his stature, you know, the, the, the hype there, you know, you gotta kind of, it's like signing a, um, a veteran to a big contract in, in pro sports, like you got to see it through a little bit. So it, it, it is a little weird and frustrating at times when he's not playing as much. Um, but yeah, I think, you know, I, I, I always see some good, some good things out of him. He's active. Um, you know, I, I think he's you know, got a, a decent feel for the game, but at the same time, you know, he's obviously it's got to be some progress there, but what, what about you? What, what stood out to you? Yeah, no, I think there's definitely a potential there, but I do think, Georgetown's best best path to winning, which is what Patrick Ewing talked about afterwards. You know, all of their center, you know, Ego FA, who actually had a pass JT3 would have loved. He uh he caught Muhammad on a backdoor cut from not the top of the key, but out in three-point line. Uh Malcolm Wilson, who didn't play today, he's pretty limited. I, I think of all the three seven-footers, Matumbo has the most potential going forward, but I think in spurts is probably where he's going to be best suited. I think he's got the best offensive feel. Um, you know, he's a pretty good rebounder. He's still, you know, look, if he had it all together right now as at seven foot two, he'd probably be playing in the G league. Right. So you know that there's going to be, there's going to be some parts to his game that aren't complete. And I think you see them, but I think you see enough potential that he needs to play a little bit and seven minutes, you know, better than, better than nothing. But I think today's game sort of dictated that he was going to ride the pine along with the other seven footers, most, most of the second half. Um, obviously you're a big NBA guy. You mentioned Muhammad. What did you think about Muhammad as far as his potential? I know that's right now with Georgetown struggling, the thoughts are, you know, can Ewing keep everyone together for next year? And obviously no one's bigger part of that question than Aminu Muhammad, who just turned 20 this season, probably has, you know, pro aspirations. When do they come is probably the biggest question. What do you think about him? In terms of an NBA prospect, um, well, I mean, obviously that's all—it's somewhat relative to like the field, and you know, as as you know, college basketball is not my go-to these days beyond Georgetown and a couple other things. So, I, like, I don't know where he'd fit into like a mock draft. You'd have a better sense of that. Um, I mean, you know, I do see some good, you know, some good raw ability for sure. Um, you know, I, I've liked, you know, I, I generally liked him throughout the year. You know, I, I guess. You know, I don't know. I mean, does he, I don't know if he's really capable of like kind of making his own shot right now. But there's like the you know the athleticism and the you know I think you know general decent feel for the game. I think is impressive. You know, I'm, a, I'm an old school guy who you know grew up in an era when Patrick Ewing stayed for four years and he was the number one player in the country basically the whole time in college. So you know, I think all these guys should stay, but I recognize that that horse is out of the barn. Um, so you know, I don't know what his hopes and dreams are. Um, you know, but, and I would imagine, you know, 0 and 7, 8, you know, that type of situation 
is not going to make you want to stick around necessarily if you have another option. So that would be the part I would wonder about. But you know, I, I'm 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 generally impressed. I mean, I, you know, I think some of their younger guys have been good in spurts. I mean, Holloway, I think also, um, you know, here and there. Yeah. Um, so, um, yeah, I mean, from a pure talent perspective, I think there's some guys here that are, you know, kind of fun. Yeah, I totally agree. Um, it's just, it's, uh, look, obviously if you're six and 12 and you're zero and seven, there's, there's a lot of issues, right? You know, it's not like they've lost seven buzzer beaters. This is probably their closest uh, big East loss. You know, right now it almost went to overtime. They just see the same things kind of happen over and over again. Um, you know, I haven't had a chance to have you on. I know that a lot's happened in the past week, just sort of big picture wise that I'm sure we'll talk to at some point. I know we don't have a ton of time today, but in tying into that, uh, one of, one of the guys that follows me at David, uh, Reedman, um, you know, sent right before the game or at least casual picked it up right before the game, uh, a quote Tony Kornheiser had on his podcast, which Look, I really, you're growing up, I love Tony Kornheiser. I know that both of us used to listen to his podcast. Until I got this tweet, I forgot Tony Kornheiser existed. I just don't live in a world where I watch PTI, although I used to, you know, set my DVR for it. So let me just read the quote because this kind of ties in to some of the some of the heat we've, you know, we've seen from the Washington Post and ESPN.com recently. So apparently, I didn't listen to it. I'm trusting this to be true. Uh, this is from Tony Kornheiser. Georgetown either needs to fire Patrick Ewing right now or decide to get out of the basketball business altogether. The program is no longer competitive in the Big East. Again, I didn't hear this. Maybe it's irresponsible for me to be going off of this without actually hearing it, but let's just say that this is accurate. That sort of sounds like something he would say. What's your initial take on that? Well, I mean, you know, I I mean, I I guess I would just say that independent of whatever he may or may not have said, I mean – Georgia has got serious questions. I mean, 0-7, I mean, you know, everybody was telling me that after they won the Big East tournament, you know, here they go. And I remember at the time thinking, uh, you know, they got hot for a few days, and that's all great. But, you know, it wasn't – didn't to me signal that everything was was hunky-dory. And then obviously the season's gone the way that it's gone. I don't know how to pretend that, you know, things are improving. and. You know, like even again, you would be you would know better than me about whether where Georgetown's COVID pause ranked among teams in the country or whatever. But just coming off an NFL season in which you know a lot of teams had some sort of issue, Washington among them, and in sports in general, this is unfortunately the the, the current normal. I will you know hopefully it's not the the the, the long term situation, but everybody's having some sort of problem. And I don't necessarily know that Georgetown is any more significant than others, but all we keep hearing about is. They had this pause. They had this pause. Okay. I mean, I, it sucks, but this is where we're at. And now my point is, is just to say we can keep we can keep making excuses, right, all the time, but the results are the results, right? I mean, what 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 was the uh, the Bill Parcells quote? You are what your record says you are. Yeah. So I don't. I, don't, I mean, you know, sure. <clears throat> there's a world where Muhammad keeps improving and stays, and Matumbo, and you know, Harris, and you know, whatever else they have coming in next year and all that works. But, you know, I don't know how to, I don't know how intelligently say, you know, how anybody could say things are headed in the right direction definitively in any, in any way that makes you feel good at the record they're at. So, yeah, you know, 
whether whether Kornheiser said anything along those lines or not, something, I mean, needs to change, whether that's philosophy or personnel or something. But obviously this is not headed in a good direction, I would say. Yeah. I don't think anybody could sit there and say, you know what? Everything's going really well. This is where we want to be. And the future's bright. I mean, there's nothing that would lead you to believe that. The overall record, you know, Patrick's record in the Big East, you know, cumulatively so far, um, there's really nothing to point to. You know, the problem about building off of what happened last season is that pretty much no one came back, right? All, you know, the three seniors that were such a big part of that, Blair, Pickett, and Belay, all had the opportunity to come back. None of them did, okay? Pickett obviously made the right choice. Blair is playing over, I think maybe just got signed in Finland. He's kind of playing that bounce around Euro game. I don't know what Belay is. I know he was, you know, he ran the summer league circuit or whatever, but, you know, they all made the decision not to come back. And and then, you know, obviously Harris did, which is good for you. Um, Kudus Wahab decided to take his talents to college park. That's a problem. So it's just, it was, I mean, it'd be hard for any team to build off of winning a tournament when you don't really re- return anybody. I mean, they, they just, they don't really return that much. But then the question is, well, why didn't you return anything? So I think just the abstract, if you're not paying attention and you say, wow, they won the Big East tournament. Wow, they're bringing in Aminu Muhammad and, you know, Matumbo's rated well and Jordan Riley, who's now out for the season with shoulder surgery. So if you're not really in the weeds, you'd say like, wow, you know, why, why weren't they able to, you know, build off of that? I mean, like, for instance, Butler's not doing that well this year. They just swept Georgetown. They did bring everybody back. They brought everyone back from a bad team. And now they're just maybe a slightly better bad team. Um, you know, so all those all those things are bigger picture. I know that you read the Post article. I know you read ESPN.com. Um, you know, Goodman usually decides to enter what I call the Georgetown chat, which is really just, you know, replying on Twitter after every loss. You know, so there is, you know, it's not just the local media that are asking him questions anymore, which is basically a bunch of blogs. You know, now we're starting to get some heat. It's almost February, you know, where people are paying attention, like, hey, what the hell's going on over at Georgetown? Yeah. Um, yeah, it's been interesting to see some national attention starting to come toward Georgetown in a way that goes beyond can Ewing turn this around. Now it's a little more of, uh, hey, he's not turning this around. And what does it mean? Um, yeah, I don't know. I mean, like I said, it's it, You've been around the team, obviously. You know, I have not been, so uh, you know, I, I don't know what is going on per se behind the scenes. But you know, based on having covered covered the team for a long time in the program, you know, until somebody, like I said, recognizes that this isn't 1984 anymore, and that change is going to have to happen at some capacity. And again, I'm not definitively saying that means a coaching change, but you know, whatever the path is on is not you know, <clears throat> breeding the right results. And they haven't even, you know, the recruiting has been reasonable. I mean, again, I'll leave that up to you to determine or tell me, you know, if they're just m- miles behind it has. everybody else in the conference. But, you know, yeah, I mean, in general, they've had some better guys and there's some talent here, but, you know, <laughs> something is off still. And, you know, it can't just be, you know, what are you doing? And, like, you know, to anybody who would say, you know, give them time, you know, unfortunately – the world of sports doesn't, you know, moves a lot quicker now. And not, you know, every situation is different. And obviously Patrick Ewing is a legend at Georgetown, so it's very different. But like what, Chris Mack is out after this is his fourth year at Louisville. And, uh, 
you know, his first two years, right, he won. They, they were pretty successful, I think. It's been it's gone miserable since. That sounds like they're maybe just a, not a good fit or whatever's going on there. He's got some other things. With maybe some. There's been some other issues, I guess, within the program. But um, my point is just that other places are, you know, are, are making moves. I mean, you know, so at some point you have to make a determination, like, what are we doing here? If you're really cool with the way it's going, then okay, then I guess keep going. But Yeah, I mean, I just want to say – to you and to all the great Kente corner listeners that the people that think he might quit during the season, I think I have a hard time believing that, you know, they're literally right now in this moment, trying to get a MIAC former freshman of the year, uh, Wayne Bristol to their active roster. I mean, they've added him to the roster, but he's unable to play right now. I think they're still dealing with some NCAA issues, um, as far as that, he didn't play at all last year for Howard. Howard only played five games. You, you know, Colin Holloway said yesterday that, you know, he's one of our best defenders already in practice. He's a good shooter, which lines up to what he did at Howard. I know it's the MEAC, but I would point to Connecticut, who has a guard, RJ Cole, who started at Howard and is probably one of the better players in the conference. So I have a hard time lining up the two ideas that they're trying to get the rarest of rare midseason transfers to be eligible with he might have one foot out the door or, you know, the losing is just too much. Um, I think at the very least, he's going to finish out the season no matter what happens. And, you know, they go from there. I think we've spoken and the people listening know it's reported he's on a six-year contract, which would mean this is the year where you get extended because you don't coach that sixth season without one. And I think that's kind of where where the questions are going to come. I mean, did you know about the guy that they're that they just added to the program? I assume you follow my tweets. Um, wait, 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 which tweet? I, I may not have so, seen this one. Dur- during the week, they officially added Wayne Bristol to their roster. Oh, I did see, guard. yeah. I, do, well, I, I still get the, uh, the press releases. So. Oh, perfect. I did see that. I don't know exactly much about him other than the Howard thing, like you said, and, and so on. But, um, yeah, I mean, yeah, I don't know, man. I mean, like I feel like my if we if there was like a a metric to determine my you know my positive or negative vibes every time I come on this podcast, like I would I would be the definition of a Debbie Downer, uh, which is a, which is a huge buzzkill because uh, you well know. you get to you get to balance out all the positivity for me. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, <laughs> yeah, no, it's um, it's it, it's it's tough, man. I mean. You know, I just did on my podcast, which is you know normally only about the Washington football team, but I do talk some other sports here and there. I had one of my colleagues at the Athletic come on because he did a really deep dive into what's where Maryland stands right now. Is it has to figure out not just a new coach, but like its direction and its commitment to the to the program and things like that. And same, it was the same time as this Georgetown sort of attention has picked up, and this is the state of local college basketball right now. It feels like that. You know, all the years we talked about Georgetown, Maryland, Georgetown, Maryland, in a positive way, you know, wanted them to play together. You know, but now it's just like, oh, neither of these places are particularly interesting. But, you know, Maryland's made a change. We'll see if it's for better or for worse. But, you know, they've done something, or at least something happened there. And, um, you know, we'll see what Georgetown uh, decides it's to crazy. do. It's crazy. Kudis could be a part of two low points right in the i guess maryland's not like a ridiculously low point i think they're around 500 but to have you know it was so rare that a georgetown guy went to maryland and now you know kudos i think only played like seven or eight games for turgeon 
you, you know, him leaving Georgetown obviously hurt Patrick's teams. It, it is crazy to see someone literally be like, uh, you know, a, a connecting fiber in two, two just complete, you know, program struggles. Um, did you have three games next week at home? I mean, you, you know, the question was asked of him, like, you know, do you start playing for the future? Which, you know, I, you know, I, I didn't expect him to say that he was, but I mean, I guess I'll ask you like, what, what, what would you do or what would you like to see from Georgetown right now? I mean, it's not like, it's not like they have a lot of veterans on their team. I mean, pretty much everyone you're playing is kind of a new piece. Even guys like Caden Rice are, you know, fifth year seniors, but he's only played, you know, 17 games for Georgetown, I guess, like, what do you think would be the best strategy for them? You know, with the assumption that everyone stays through the end of the year. Um, I mean, I don't know. I mean, I really, I, I mean, what, I don't even know what I would think. It's a hard more. question. I mean, yeah. Well, I mean, it, you know, <laughs> like I said, it just comes down to, you know, I, I mean, at a basic level, you know, you can't solve a problem until you kind of admit one exists. So I just don't know where they're at from a, you know, and again, this isn't necessarily a uh, fire the coaching staff view. It's just, you know, <laughs> what, what do you, what do you do to fix this? And, well, uh, you know, who, who's willing to sit down and have real conversations about what's going on here? Um, you know? Yeah. And I think that's why, and obviously maybe COVID not, in the terms of, you know, COVID pauses during the last two seasons, which by the way, last year, everyone used the COVID pauses. That's what got Georgetown going. Um, this year obviously hasn't happened because the rosters are different and it's not as good of a roster as last year, but you almost wonder, you know, obviously Patrick Ewing's first time as a head coach, what would have been the natural time to make staff changes would have been at the end of that third year, which is right when COVID, you know, cut off the NCAA tournament you know, cut off the final four where a lot of these kind of coaching changes happen. And look, neither of us are calling for anyone's job, but it's, it's, it's pretty clear that you cannot expect to just bring the entire band back for year six and say, we're rolling it out here again. Like for whatever reason, these coaches together have been unable to have a program where there's stability and there's legitimate defense. Those are two things that have been lacking pretty much the entire time. So you know, I don't see how I don't see Patrick Ewing stepping down at any point. Um, but I can't imagine the entire staff comes together as is, right? I mean that that's gotta be the bare minimum, or are you gonna go back to just having you I mean, you can't, right? Uh, you know, I mean, I, I don't like I said, I don't know what the definitive answer is. I don't again you wanna make the staff change or change the style of play or type of players they're recruiting or uh <laughs> You know, I don't know, pregame meals, how they stretch the schedule. I, I, you know, <laughs> I don't know. I mean, I mean, I'm not saying I don't know. Like, I don't really have a clue. I just mean more like, you know, I'm just going to leave it up. I'm not, I'll leave it up to them because ultimately it's about, you know, what, what's the, you know, what's the plan? I mean, I do even recognize, like I said, that we got, we need to have a, 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 a discussion. I mean, obviously, you know, if they somehow were to make a coaching change and then you ask like, what would be my number one view there? It would be, you know, you gotta, you know, put a fence or the proverbial fence around the, the WCAC in the area and, and get some of the better players. Now, again, I'm not saying they haven't recruited decently getting Muhammad was huge, right? Obviously in Matumbo, that's a pretty good haul, you know, based on the reputation. So it's not like they're getting, 
nobody, but then when they do, it's not, you know, it's not translating into, into anything. And, uh, you know, even the idea of a guy leaving a lot, I mean, it's college basketball, right? I mean, this is like, what's the wild, wild west these days. And it's probably only going to get more so with the NIL situation. Um, so yeah, I don't know, man. I feel like I'm like talking in circles. Um, okay. You know, because, well, I just mean, you know, because ultimately, like I said, I, I, I don't know what, what, what to say specifically because it just feels like it's going to come down to whether anybody over there thinks they need to do anything. Maybe they don't. Yeah. Well, you know, I think we know that there hasn't, and the world's changed a little bit since 1972 when Georgetown hired, you know, a, a former NBA player, but he was at the time a high school coach. Okay. And that, you know, I'd have to go back and research and figure out who actually made the decision and how it came about and all that stuff. Thompson, obviously, to characterize him as a high school coach would not be fair to his resume at the time, you know. But the idea that that is the last time there was, I think we can all agree on what you would consider like an like an open um, process to see who's going to be the, the Georgetown men's basketball coach. I still think... I, you know, I, I said it the other day. I'm sure you didn't listen. You're a busy guy. Uh, Andrew and Nolan both thought we'd probably see a new coach before next season. I don't think so. I think of Patrick Ewing as a warrior, as someone that, you know, still played for the Sonics and the Magic when his playing time was probably over. And, you know, based on everything we've sort of seen Georgetown do, I have a hard time believing that they would they would let him go. So on a different topic. I know you're into this Tom Brady stuff. Let's just talk for a minute about this. I'm going to be honest. I legitimately thought he was going to play till he was 50. Um, well, I thought he would play beyond um, this season just because, you know, maybe he's still really good. I mean, he was arguably the best quarterback in football this year. Yeah. Um, now, his comments at the end about when he started talking about his family, that that did let me think, oh, boy, this is more of a – potential than I've ever thought before. But at the same point, it's just, you know, normally when we talk about the guy in the end who's going to retire, it's somebody who's playing like Ben Roethlisberger, where you're just like, dude, you got to hang it up. Not like Brady, where I'm like, yeah, can I have him on my fantasy team and draft him high? (laughs) You know, obviously he didn't go out, you know, like he would have last year with the Super Bowl win. But I think that the lasting, you know, image we have of him is, he did it again. He led a crazy comeback and it just, you know, they, they didn't get the win, but as far as what he had to do, he did it again. So it's a loss, but sort of a win, right? Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah. No, I mean, um, you, you know, basically you never could really put him away. He had to take himself off. Yeah. The, the Rams won the game, but you know, they beat the Bucks defense effectively right there. Not, and it didn't stop Tom Brady. Because, um, you yeah, know, basically, basically nobody um, nobody has. And, uh, you know, as somebody who was old enough to, you know, see Ewing play at Georgetown, you know, even though I was a kid, in the moment, you kind of realize this is like a huge deal. But, you know, don't always quite re- appreciate what it is maybe a little bit until time passes. And obviously, you know, that was the height of Georgetown basketball. And Ewing – Everything that's, you know, there's a reason why there's so much hope for this program is because of that time effectively. Um, And I say all that because Brady, I mean, you know, whether whether you're a fan or not, like, you know, we just watched 22 seasons of a dude who was, you know, cumulatively the best ever 
at least at that position, we can debate football wherever. And, you know, hopefully people, you know, especially if you're younger, can appreciate what you're seeing because I'm just telling you, you know, I've been around for a minute now and, um, you know, there might have been guys who have better individual talent, but in totality, I mean, nobody was better than that guy. I can't believe it. And I know, you know, we don't have to get into ages. You are a little bit older than me. But for me, as life changes all the time around me with, you know, family, kids, and you start to see, you know, I know years ago, I used to try and at the NBA game, see how many guys were still older than me. When I started it, there was a good amount. Now there's none. You know, I think Brady is the only professional athlete in the main four sports that is older than me. But just when you keep losing all these names, whether they're coaches or the players, it's just like, what am I looking at? Is this just, you know what I mean? It's just kind of crazy. Yeah, no, no, it's a, it's a, it's a wacky, it's a wacky day, man. Um, but yeah, I don't know, man. I, I wish you the best of luck. We're fighting the good fight on this front, and uh, you know, we'll see what happens here. Um, you know, and there's still games to go this year with Georgetown. We'll see if they, uh, you know, can get any kind of momentum here to to the end. Hey, speaking of momentum, we can leave on this one, and this is at Ben Stanick from the Athletic. They have three home games this this week. What would it take to get Ben to a home game? Maybe that's the positive mojo this program needs. Uh, I don't know, man. At this point, <laughs> I'm not I'm not bothered me me getting me getting out of the house for things other than what I kind of need to do. Um, I don't know, but yeah, I don't know. It's it, it's not been a very appealing watch. I don't know. Maybe if you want to talk me into some game. That we all uh, meet up and then meet up after for a, for a, an alcoholic beverage or something or an adult beverage. Um, maybe maybe can somebody can talk me into that, but I don't know. We'll see. Well, everyone, you have it there. He didn't completely <laughs> he didn't completely give it the uh, Matumbo finger wag, but it uh, looks like a shot that's not going in. We'll have to do some work there. I want to thank everyone for listening to the latest post game edition of Kente Corner. You can find us everywhere you get your podcast. Make sure to subscribe. It's a big deal. Send me a message. Let me know what you want to hear. Again, he's at Ben Standig. You can find him on Twitter. He tweets every once in a while. I'm at Bobby Bancroft. Until next time, boys and girls.